going on, podcasting world? Welcome back to another episode of our Core Consult RX podcast. Cole, what's going on, man? I'm feeling great. Ready to podcast. So ready to podcast. Ready to talk for half an hour. Ish. Ish. Yeah, you never know. Longer, shorter. Never know. With this one... We could talk 18 hours. It could be probably a little longer than that, yeah. No. But we're not. 18 hours exactly, and that's it. Only five hours. Oof. Yeah. I'm surprised I'm not sick because I went to the Georgia game on Saturday. It was like 48 degrees and raining the entire time. Mm-hmm. My wife's a huge Georgia fan. Mm-hmm. We stayed the entire time, freezing our butts off, soaking wet, tailgated in the rain before that. It's fantastic. This disproves that theory. I know. Yeah, whoever thinks... I'm pretty sure that kind of actually was disproved back in like the 1700s. You but think so? I'm pretty The positive. whole catching cold from being cold thing? Right. My grandma still tells me that. I know. It's funny. It's I, like, I don't understand it at all. So my grandma's like, yo, you got to dry your hair because you're going to go out thinking pneumonia. I guess maybe... Uh, I guess they they thrive more in cold weather, so people just made the association. I guess. You know? Or people... I mean, they also used to you know, cut you and let your blood come out because they thought that was a good idea. That's not? Uh, not the more... Well, not for a lot depends of depends on what you're going for. Not if you're George Washington. If you're uh, pretty sure you died. Of if you're a doctor, it's not a good idea. But if you're a murderer, that's a pretty good idea. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess that's it's all a weird, about how you weird, look at weird it. way of looking at it. But cool, it's all, it's all about, about perspective. perspective. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, there we go. There it is. What are we talking about? I don't know. Epilepsy. Yes. So um, we're gonna basically break it down into um, the a review of like the different. Um, anti-epileptic medications that we have available. We'll go through some background and kind of break, you know, the classifications of some different types of seizures. We're not going to go into all of them or go into all the different subtypes because there's just not enough time in this one podcast. Maybe we'll crack, you know, uh, that open at some point. But for now, we're just going to do um, some of the basics and then we'll go into a lot of the, the medications and some of their uh, certain nuances, things like that that you need to be aware of, clinical pearls, if you will. And then, um, yeah, we'll look at their place in therapy and stuff like that at the very end. Yeah, we'll at least name the different types of seizures. So someday, yeah, we could just take two of them and just dive right in, mm-hmm. become, like Mike said earlier, just neurologist, and uh, you'll, you'll be filled with knowledge after this. So much gold. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Uh, epilepsy, well, where do you want to start, Cole? Just at the very top? Yep, start at the top. All right, so when we say epilepsy, we're talking about a chronic seizure disorder so not just having one you know new onset seizure that can be from various things i mean you can have that from a traumatic brain injury you can have it from just a very elevated fever there's lots of things that can cause a single seizure but when someone has a history of this chronic these chronic seizures that's when it's uh, you know classified as truly being epilepsy mm-hmm. um and then there's there's various types of seizures that makes up the different types of epilepsy so um you know, the, the reason why this is an issue is because you get basically damage and potential destruction of neurons, um, as well as it can cause brain damage in some cases. And if it's bad enough, it can even be life-threatening. Yeah, I think uh, gen- the general consensus, at least it has been for a while, there's other people who uh, classify it differently as two unprovoked seizures over a period of time, don't know the exact time, uh, would be epilepsy. So a provoked seizure would be from one of the reasons Mike mentioned uh, but unprovoked, idiopathic, two of those, epilepsy. Um, there's many factors that are evaluated uh, for epilepsy in general. Um, the patient's age at onset, what type of seizure it is, which there's a lot of questions you would probably want to ask the patient uh, to try to determine. Because a lot of times, most of the time, the provider is not there for the seizure. So they come afterwards. Um, it might not even have been a seizure. So you ha- there's a lot of questions you want to ask about um, if they lost consciousness or not, um, if how they felt after they um, came back from consciousness and how long that lasted, if they were very tired, all of those sorts of things um, to determine it. Seizure frequency is another factor um, and uh, a neurologic exam. An EEG is the most common test that's used. Um, if somebody's been diagnosed with epilepsy, you're looking for abnormalities on that. Um, and basically that's just going to show if somebody is at high risk for a recurrent uh, seizure later on, uh, but also brain imaging with a CT or MRI can identify some conditions that provoke seizures, some of those being tumors, um, also damage from a stroke. 
All right, so we'll start as far as the, like the classifications, and again, this is definitely not um, all the different types or subtypes, but um, we can break it down first into focal seizures and then generalized seizures. So focal is going to be where um, the seizure begins on, you know, in one hemisphere of the brain only. Um, generalized is going to be on both sides um, from the start. Uh, focal seizures can um, result in a loss of consciousness or um, without a loss of consciousness. So if there is, if you have a focal seizure that does not have um, a loss of consciousness, does not, then it's uh, referred to as a focal aware seizure. Um, this used to be called a simple par part, excuse me, simple partial seizure. And then if the person does lose consciousness, then uh, it's called a focal seizure with impaired awareness, or as they used to call it complex partial seizure. Yes. And then from there, looking at the generalized seizures, that's where we get into several different types. Um, for example, um, absence uh, seizures where you usually see this kind of like staring um, behavior. This uh, It's just kind of like a sudden onset um, of just an interruption of their normal activity. Um, a blank stare is a good way of kind of describing it, but the patient doesn't have any sort of uh, knowledge of their environment around them. Um, it can last anywhere from like two to 30 seconds. Um, and then after it is over, then the patient just kind of goes on like normal and doesn't even realize that anything happened. Or as our professor would say, because he's French Canadian, wanted us to pronounce it absence. Yes. Absence. Absence. Yes. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Shout out to uh, Mark LaPointe. Yep. Um, so uh, myoclonic seizures is muscle contractions that are like shock-like. Um, and it's kind of really, uh, commonly rather referred to as jerks. So you get this kind of um, almost like rhythmic um, jerking motion, but it's it's very, very quick. And some of them can last as, as quickly as a millisecond. Um, but they can be a single jerk. It can be a series of them. And um, again, this is one that's not associated necessarily with a loss of consciousness. Um, and they typically will happen like in the, in the late evening or very early morning after you get out of bed or right before you go to bed. Uh, there's also other generalized seizures, so generalized clonic seizures, uh, usually involving, or they will involve bilateral rhythmic jerking, uh, more sustained um, and rhythmic than that seen in a myoclonic seizure, so it's going to last a little longer, it's going to be more rhythmic than a myoclonic seizure. Uh, also generalized tonic seizures, I always had trouble getting these straight in my head during, I thought epilepsy was a tough subject, but if you break it down individually, it's really not too bad. I think it's all the terms that got me. So generalized tonic seizures uh, involve bilateral increased tone or stiffening of the limbs. I like how like in the middle of the sentence you gave some insight into your I think past that's the, pharmacy I think that's the best way to do it is no, to totally good. interrupt what you're actually saying right. so people so lose people their train more, of thought. So people know more about you personally. Yeah, I think that no, that's really good. It's a good what, is this, what is this podcast about except yeah. us, right? Right. Our egos. Guaranteed. Exactly. So if we're not Which, talking about ourselves, what are we really doing here? Nothing. Wasting time. I agree. Okay. So okay. We, anyways. Back clonic, to... Clonic or tonic or one of them. We're in tonic right now, right? Gotcha. So this is just tonic seizures. Bilateral, increased tone, stiffening of limbs, lasting seconds to minutes. Um, so you don't really have the rhythmic, sustained jerking uh, like in clonic. In a tonic-clonic seizure. So now we're combining them. Wait a minute. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Fancy. You're following. I'm, I'm with you. So this has an initial tonic phase. So you get that stiffening of the limbs, lasting... Uh, a few seconds or up to a minute, followed by a clonic phase, which is the rhythmic jerking um, uh, that you get with the clonic seizures. You can also have atonic seizures, right? So atonic, sudden loss of muscle tone. Um, it can result in the patient dropping to the ground. So you don't have the, um, the stiffening, the increased tone. You don't have the rhythmic uh, jerking. It's just total loss of tone, dropping to the ground. Um, it's probably... One of the more scary ones, I would think. Yeah, it's not ideal. No, not ideal. All right, let's go into some of the drugs. Before we go into drugs, I had a couple things. Okay. Did you know... Well, this is off topic, but sure. <laughs> we had an outline at the beginning. I laid that perfectly. <laughs> I like to... Uh, I don't like outlines. I like to go against yeah. them. That's the first time I've ever done that in 80 episodes. I know. Way. I don't even know what I was doing. Exactly. Um, so, did you know that... Probably not. That 9% uh, of people in their lifetime will have a seizure? No. Yeah, that's a lot. Doesn't it seem like a lot? So I should probably double check that. But it says 9% <laughs> in their lifetime uh, has a, a likelihood of experiencing a seizure. Um, 
What was the uh, the flu statistic you threw out there in like episode three? Oh, 100 million died yeah, in 2010? Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh-huh. So that was... That was a good one. Yeah. Flu season's upon us, by the way. Uh, um, is it? It's, yeah, it's very... There's almost... There's been no pediatric deaths yet, and um, the rates are super low. So I bet last year it was like January before it popped up. So um, anyways, the prevalence of active epilepsy is only about 0.8%. So we're specifically talking about epilepsy today. Also had a little history about epilepsy. So um, epileptic seizures have been recognized for like a really long time, millennia really. Uh, one of the earliest descriptions of a secondary generalized tonic-clonic seizure. So what we just talked about with the increased muscle tone, the rhythmic jerking uh, was recorded over 3,000 years ago in Mesopotamia. Hmm. Um, they attributed the seizure to the god of the moon um, and they were... Described in other ancient cultures, including China, Egypt, and India, um, Papyrus described a seizure of a man who had previously had a head trauma. So Mike mentioned that that's one of the precipitating factors. Hippocrates wrote the first book about epilepsy almost 25 years ago. Um, he didn't believe in all that, you know, God stuff, and uh, that it was d divine. Um, he just believed that it was caused by excessive phlegm that led to abnormal brain consistency. So... I think he was a little closer to the closer to the I'm mark. Sick of all this phlegm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's crazy. So I, I wish I would love to go back in time and see like medicine back then. They're like, what should we do? Like, I don't know. This is Let's cut him open. This is Jupiter doing this. I don't know. What do you want me to do? Is it the god of whatever that, that Jupiter is? God of the moon. Yeah. Or, or I don't think that's the real god of the moon. I'm just throwing a name out there. I feel like there's a god Jupiter, but it might be something else. Jupiter is a Greek. Yeah. Yeah. See, god. nailed it. Crushed yeah. it. Thank you. Don't know. Don't know of what. Yeah. But. We'll look that up later. Um, not important. We're going to start a Greek mythology uh, podcast next. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, we should totally do that. Mm -hmm. I'm just kidding. We shouldn't do that. Okay. <laughs> We'd be fantastic at that. Oh, man. Way better than this. Three episodes and then we hit the shut it down. <laughs> all right. Do you need more history or anything? That's all I got. Good. Now we can talk about real stuff. Now we can get back to what I was trying to talk about, <laughs> finally. Um, go through some of these drugs. So this is these aren't in any particular order. And again, I'm not mentioning these as far as um, any any uh, their place in pharmacotherapy. Um, we're going to go through the actual medications, and then we'll talk about what type of seizures they're used in briefly at the end. But we're really just going to touch on some clinical pearls, things like that. Cool. That's the my disclaimer. So, Keppra, Levetiracetam. Um or levetiracetam, as my technicians like to say. Yeah, I had a pharmacist call me one time that, and he, I forget what he called it, but it was so wrong. And he was like, you know, however you pronounce that stupid drug. <laughs> I was like, totally. just Kepra. It's just Kepra, okay? Totally. <laughs> it's good to hear from you, sir. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. He was just probably having a bad night. But um, anyways, so um, Kepra, the mechanism of action, it's going to work um, as a uh, calcium channel blocker, also um, increasing GABA, um, which is a um, inhibitory neurotransmitter to kind of slow down some of those excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate and acetylcholine and norepinephrine and some of those. Um, some of the warnings, you know, very rare side effects that you could run into um, would be things like psychiatric reactions, um, more so going to be like um, fatigue. Uh, there are cases where patients have developed angioedema or even um, skin hypersensitivity reactions. Um, and then we would worry about a loss of seizure control during pregnancy. Um, and then more common adverse effects would be things like dizziness, you know, irritability, things like that. I generally think of this one as being pretty well tolerated yeah. as far as the other drugs go. Though. And there's also not a whole lot of drug-drug interactions, which is good. Yeah. And it makes it a little bit easier. We don't have to necessarily draw levels. So it's pretty... It's one of the newer kids on the block. Is it? It will versus like uh, Depakote, like... Valproacastic, oh, yeah, and, sure. and um, Finitone, and Finabarb, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I'm with you now. Gotcha. Sometimes cold just says stuff. It's not like the newest kid. Yeah, I was like, okay, it's newer a kid. middle-aged kid on the block. Got it. No, it's not like me. It's more like you. you know got, it, I mean? got it, got it, got yeah. it. Right, 30s. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, so some of the, uh, you know, just overall advantages, obviously, is going to be, um, it, like Cole said, it's well-tolerated, um, no significant drug-drug interactions, and it can actually be loaded as well if you need to get to therapeutic levels quickly, um, so you can do a loading dose of it. Um, and then the disadvantages of this particular drug would be the behavioral problems, more so um, irritability. It's kind of the more common when they say behavioral. Lamotrigine. Yep, speaking of behavioral. Uh, Lamictal, so this comes as a tablet, also a chewable tablet, and an orally disintegrating tablet. 
um, which obviously is important with seizure disorders because they can't always swallow. Uh, so this decreases glutamate and aspartate release. It can delay repetitive firing of neurons, also blocks fast sodium channels. We didn't talk too much about the patho of, um, of seizures, but in its most basic form, it's an imbalance of um, excitatory and inhibitory mechanisms in the brain with the uh, excitatory coming out on top usually, and that's why you get the firing of all the neurons and um, the resulting physical manifestations. Uh, so you'll see a lot of these drugs acting on glutamate and GABA, glutamate being the excitatory uh, neurotransmitter and GABA being the inhibitory. Uh, there's a lot more that uh, goes into that. That's very basic. Uh, Lamotrigine has a black box warning for serious skin reactions, um, specifically Stevens-Johnson syndrome. So you'd want to uh, recommend your patients keep an eye out for a rash. So you always start low and go slow uh, with Lamotrigine, titrating up over five plus weeks uh, very slowly just to make sure you don't have any issues with that. Other adverse effects are nonspecific things like nausea, vomiting, uh, can make you drowsy, also a tremor and dizziness, things like that. And even if the person has been on the medication and but comes off of it for a while, you still would probably want to retitrate back up again. Yeah. Just in case. Yep. Um, so some pros and cons with Lamictal. Um, it is a uh, it's pretty broad spectrum. It can be used for multiple uh, types of seizures where some of these are very specific, like can only be used in Lennox Gesto or can only be used in pediatric disorders. This one's very broad. Um, has efficacy in focal onset seizures and several other types. Um, pediatric dosage forms are available, so that's another reason you'd want chewable or dispersible if they can't swallow them. Um, and uh, it's available as a extended, extended release formulation as well. Uh, besides the rash, usually it's pretty well tolerated um, in all age groups. Uh, the main issue is going to be the rash and the slow titration. Uh, not a good agent for patients who need to reach therapeutic levels quickly so, uh, so just be aware of that unless you want some skin reactions with your anti-seizure medicine yes then tie that would be fantastic i mean that'd be perfect go ahead and reach those therapeutic levels yeah if that's your that's your jam you know we could do a whole episode because i'm i'm remembering little pregnancy tidbits that i don't want to give because i'm not totally sure if they're correct we could do we should do a whole episode on um pregnancy seizure disorders and pregnancy did we not do pregnancy already well we did pregnancy but i mean like Seizures are hard in pregnancy because a lot of gotcha. most things you. can't be seizures specifically. Seizures specifically, yeah. You. We've done pregnancy, but I mean, gotcha. like, let's just talk, you know, seizures. Yeah, let's just get back into the women's health stuff that we're yeah, so familiar that with. We are experts. Just in. two dudes uh, going through that. But I like I get a lot of pregnancy and lactation questions, and you know, don't always know. I always double check with those. So it's good. I'd like to know. It's good. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you could just be better at your job. Please. <laughs> I'm a pharmacist, so I should yeah, know. You should probably know that stuff. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would do the same thing. All right, carbamazepine. Um, this is a sodium channel blocker, and um, as far as formulations go, it's got all kinds of different ones. You tablet, there's a chewable tablet, suspension, injections, all, all the above. Um, it is. It does have a black box warning, again, for serious skin reactions. This one seems to be associated with that HLA-B1502 um, allele, and so we, you don't have to get that necessarily genomically tested um, in every patient, but they do say that if possible, um, patients of Asian descent um, should get that testing done beforehand just to make sure uh, that they don't have um, that uh, present, and because then they're going to greatly increase their chances of having a, a reaction to it. Um, and uh, the risk of developing a hypersensitivity reaction definitely is increased if a patient is hyponatremic. So, you know, whether they have just low sodium for, you know, because of dehydration or whatever it is, or if they're like, if they have SIDH or something, um, they can increase their chances. Um, hypothyroidism as well can increase the chances of having a hypersensitivity reaction. So you got to really watch the thyroid the, and the sodium levels. Um, adverse effects that are fairly common would be, you know, GI upset, um, photosensitivity. So making sure that patients are wearing, uh, lots of sunblock if it's summertime, um, can potentially increase the LFTs. And so you, you do want to monitor those and it can even cause a little bit of blurry vision. Um, so getting a uh, ophthalmic exam would be a good part of monitoring and then watching like, uh, the CBC platelets and then also the sodium levels obviously as well. Um, there is a carbamazepine goal level of 4 to 12 micrograms per milliliter. And then you would want to monitor within 3 to 5 days of initiation. And then after 4 weeks, you want to get another level. 
because carbamazepine has this really cool thing that it can do where it induces its own metabolism like an idiot. <laughs> has no idea what it's doing. Stupid. Why would you do that? It's like snake. <sighs> Stupid. Okay. Um, so carbamazepine is like doing its thing, getting metabolized, and then it ramps up its metabolism and lowers its level. So uh, you get this decrease in, level, in levels of other drugs and itself. Um, and so you may have to increase the, the dose again. So uh, make sure that uh, you get that second um, level in four weeks. And then uh, know that it does lower the effects of um, hormonal contraceptives, and warfarin is another big one. Um, I actually heard a story about uh, a patient who had, was on hor- um, hormonal contraceptives, I don't remember which one, but got carbamazepine, um, wasn't told about this interaction, and then got pregnant and then sued the physician and the pharmacist for child support. <laughs> Fantastic. So they had them for 18 years, as they say. That's what we like. Um, yeah, another, <laughs> that was another thing that I was thinking about was a lot of these can't be used uh, if or need to have backup contraceptive methods. Oh, I thought you were going to say child support. No. Okay, cool. But yeah, that, we can do that. We can do the pregnancy suite along with the, the pregnancy what suite. affects OC. You're always trying to do a suite. I know. No, we're going to do one topic and we're going to skip to a completely separate <laughs> and then we're topic gonna go like somewhere we always else. do. Well, the suite doesn't have to be in order. Oh, okay. Cool. You know, we did hyper and high. I prefer playlist. The suite sounds weird. We did hyper and hypothyroidism over the course of a couple of weeks and that's a suite or I think you have to have three for a suite or is that a sweep? In baseball. I have no idea. I think it's a sweep. I have no idea what you're talking about. I just say playlist <laughs> because I use YouTube and don't watch baseball. Okay, we go with what Mike wants. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Finally. Always. That's not true. <laughs> How dare you? All right, where are we at? Um, Ox, carbamazepine. You wanted to get, did you do some advantages of those two? No. Listen, if I skip a slide, you don't correct me on air. Okay, that's embarrassing. Like you did earlier. How dare you? <laughs> All right, um, carbamazepine advantages. Um, it's been very well studied, so we have a lot of data showing that it's efficacious. Um, it also has a liquid dosage form, uh, extended release dosage form, and uh, minimal cognitive impairment. Um, so those are all good things. Disadvantages, it induces its own metabolism and uh, makes it a little bit harder to dose titrate up. So got to be aware of that. Yes. So trileptal. Oxcarbazepine. I see this one a lot. Um, comes in a tablet. Also comes in suspension form for the younger uh, lads and gals. Um, it blocks sodium and calcium channels. You can also, uh, for this one, do testing for that HLA-B1502 allele prior to initiating, um, specifically for patients of Asian descent. Uh, there's about a 25 to 30% cross-sensitivity if uh, they have a hypersensitivity reaction to carbamazepine. Uh, so just be aware of that. They don't have to test, but um, I think they do. Yeah. Frequently. Uh, this is a good um, uh, wife question for you. Why? Oh, yeah. yeah. Why would you, if you have a reaction to carbamazepine, why would you be like, let's get the closest relative that we have and give that one a shot? Well, my thought would be if they have a good response to carbamazepine, but... Don't, listen, don't you dare make it so okay. simple, okay? Right. Ask Anna. I will ask, ask Anna so I don't feel stupid We now. have no idea, Anna. We need to ask you. This is the second time. <laughs> like I would, I would say yeah, that makes sense. Similar to like you know, if somebody has an amoxicillin allergy, why are using septonir? Not always the case, but sometimes they're used for similar things. Mm-hmm. Even though there's like the small chance of cross, you know, sensitivity. If it if it works for them, that's you know, because some people you have trouble finding something that works. That's true. That's my only thought. Yeah, be it's a good thought. Totally, I probably should have totally had, wrong. Had that thought very quickly, but you know, I could be whatever. totally wrong. Whatever. What are you gonna do? So, anyways, adverse effects of trileptal. Um, somnolence can make you drowsy, dizziness, um, and nonspecific nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, like with most things. You want to monitor the sodium levels, especially during the first three months of therapy. Um, I would say that similarly because of the increased risk for hyponatremia. Um, they, the dosing is not directly equivalent, so 100 milligrams of carbamazepine would be equivalent to 150 milligrams of oxcarbazepine. Uh, so, you know, 1.5 times the amount. This was actually a question on a practice, practice not giving away the real answers as I did before <laughs> <laughs> on air. Um, but uh, it was a practice BCPS really? exam, yeah, and I was on there. Crushed, the difference crushed it. I think theirs was two hundred to three hundred. Oh, so you knew? But I knew how to do. It. I could, yeah. It took me a minute, but I could do the ratio. Yeah. <laughs> crushed it. 
Well, good for you. Well, got that one question right anyway. <laughs> on the prize exam. Got a lot, yeah, on the prize exam. So good. Whatever. Anyways, just thought you should know that's why that's important. Uh, so advantages, there is strong evidence for its effectiveness. So trileptal works pretty well. Uh, it's also effective in patients not demonstrating response to carbamazepine. Um, so I guess that's the total opposite of what I said. So maybe if somebody ah. uh, is not, if carbamazepine is not working for you, you Woo! would consider it. Cole must be so embarrassed right now. <laughs> so embarrassed. Thank God I'm feels, here to bring it back to you know reality. So stupid right now. Dumb theories. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, not demonstrating response to carbamazepine, its efficacy is comparable uh, with that of carbamazepine, phenytoin, and valproic acid generally. Uh, may also be better tolerated than phenytoin as monotherapy. And I didn't mention that we do want to try um, to stick with monotherapy if we can with these antiepileptics for drug interaction purposes and for uh, general uh, adverse effect purposes. Disadvantages of trileptal, uh, there are more reports of hyponatremia. Uh, than oxycarbazepine. That's why it's important to monitor. More more instances with trileptal, right? Yes. Okay. Than oxycarbazepine. Oh, I'm sorry. With carbamazepine. There are more than carbamazepine. Yes, I'm sorry. More with trileptal. More. more with trileptal than carbamazepine. Cool. Gotcha. Can you hear the dog barking again? This is, you know, I'm telling you what. We have this whole elaborate studio set up. And then he ruins it. Listen, it's the only thing non-professional about this thing. So if, if anyone dog, wants a dog, if the dog my stopped, wife's dog is now for sale. If the dog's not barking, did we even podcast? I don't think so. But T-shirt. like I was saying, my wife's dog is now for sale. So if anybody wants him, I'll give you $20. <laughs> and you'll come live at your house <laughs> forever. <sighs> Anyways, phenobarbital. The vet's choice. Yes. We don't really, uh, I don't see this too often used in humans anymore i'm sure it is but um it's mostly uh, going to be in in vet med um so it's basically going to enhance and um, potentiate gaba um and then it's contraindications uh, would be things like severe hepatic impairment um a patient that has uh, dyspnea or airway obstruction um, you can't use phenobarb um some of the things to be aware of is one it can be potentially habit forming so it is actually a controlled substance mm-hmm. so it's a c4 um and it also can cause some uh, potential fetal harm as well um and then some of the more like i guess uh common adverse effects would be things like physiological dependence um tolerance over time and then also this sort of hangover effect so you have your euphoric effect which is all fun and great and then hangover no good so i've had a patient who um he for his dog he would they were taking phenobarb once a day but then when he was having a seizure he would give him like one and a half tablets uh, he said he was instructed to do so because it worked or something like that so anyways something he's like always trying to get it early mm-hmm. like three or four days early right and i'm like or maybe even four or five days even more and i'm like bro i can't do this so he's you know he's making bro. up he's making up these stories like he's well i'm going out of town i'm going out of town i need to do it now blah blah, blah. well they they did it for me see blah blah, blah. <sighs> month to month this happens every single time and it's it's one of those you know guys who's just like just well, well i guess my dog's just gonna have a seizure and die i guess that's what's happening and i'm like no it's not really yeah, what we want I but I, so i can't feel it early uh so it is a controlled substance and it took a long time for them to finally change the prescription to one and a half a day just so it could be appropriate um uh, but yeah I have a little traumatized by that fella. It was just month to month. I knew every time he came, he was going to try to say it was early. He was going to yell at one of my technicians and then blame us for his dog seizures. So I, I, I made a joke in, in class when I did for my PA students. And I was like, I was talking about the same kind of thing. People who may or may not be taking their dogs phenobarb for a nice Friday, <laughs> for a nice Friday night. And I was like, it's just... I was like, it would just be terrible if the guy was just like euphoric out on his couch, his dog sees it in the background. <laughs> As I said, I was like, eh. so hopefully, hopefully there's no like dog sympathizers here. <laughs> they didn't think that was funny. Yeah, I, hope none I of never our... think about like half the jokes that I say, and then afterwards I'm like, ugh. I hope none of our listeners are dogs. <laughs> sure <laughs> hope, uh, sure hope that doesn't come back on the evaluation. <laughs> oh, man. That's brutal. I yeah. make that joke a lot, too. I was getting nicked on the evaluation for something stupid that I said. <laughs> Across the bear. So, uh, Dr. Corvino hates dogs. Yeah, and he said that he thinks it's funny when they have seizures, which I don't think was appropriate, and he should be fired. <laughs> also, I like that he does talkative questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, where, where the heck were we? We're, this think, is going uh, off the rails. Pros and cons of phenobarb. Yes, so um, it can be an effective agent, um, and it's been used for a very long time, um, available worldwide. However, 
causes side effects, sedation. Um, so much better options nowadays, but still available. Mm-hmm. And control substance does make things annoying. Yeah. Per my story. Uh, so Finitoin is next, brand name Dilantin. I actually have a patient who's on brand Dilantin that they take, like, uh, I can't remember, but I think it's a couple at one time, then they have generic phenytoin that they take throughout the day, which I think is super interesting. Uh, so it comes in multiple dosage forms, capsules, uh, chewable, also a liquid. Its mechanism of action, it's a sodium channel blocker. Um, so a little bit different than others, but similar to like oxcarbazepine. So it's blocking those sodium channels. Uh, it does have a black spot, black box warning. Uh, the IV should never be administered faster than 50 mg per minute. Um, it's is a significant risk for hypotension and arrhythmias. So this is more for our hospital folks uh, who are doing this IV never faster than 50 mg per minute because of hypotension and cardiac arrhythmias. It's a prodrug for phosphinitoin, which I think we're going to talk about in a little bit as far as the um, the dosing equivalent. Um, phosphinitoin is an IV formulation. Um, it's dosed in phenytoin equivalents. Um, so that's another board question, I'd be sure that they may ask you to convert that. Uh, warnings, extravasation um, from injecting, also bradycardia. You want to avoid in patients uh, who test positive for the HLA B1502 allele again, so this uh, comes up. Adverse effects, uh, dose-related, you might have nystagmus, ataxia, blurred vision, um, so some almost neurological-type issues. Um, Long-term, you can have gingival hyperplasia, hair growth, and hepatotoxicity. I feel like I talked about this on the podcast one time, but when I was um, on a medical mission trip in South Africa, we had a patient who had been started on phenytoin a long time ago um, for seizures, and they they just had really poor health care generally and poor follow-up, so he had been taking it for a long time, and his gums had grown um, essentially like over his teeth, so he pretty much couldn't, couldn't chew anything. And so he was there, and uh, we had a PA with us, and he pretty much just numbed him up and started... Cutting them off. Cutting what off? Cutting the gums. Just cutting them back. Snip, 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 snip. They're like bushes. Yeah, exactly. Just trim them. Trimming the hedges. Easy. Uh, How hard could that be? The before, he had a he, he had a before after picture, which was just fascinating. And uh, yeah, numbed him up, cut him off, and you could see his teeth again. I hope he was just like talking trash all the time. Like, <laughs> how hard is dentistry? <laughs> I know, exactly. Just chop stuff Which on. we didn't have a dentist with us, so yes. Yeah, uh, so you he, can improvise. He would pull teeth and stuff. Yeah, why not? Just how hard could it be? You, you can kind of do whatever you want because oh, it's great. you're outside <laughs> not, the scope of your license. Not being in, the, in this country with like regulations I basically, f- I was a student and I was the pharmacist there that right. day. So I would have probably been a surgeon or something, honestly. You could have done whatever you want. I've <laughs> been cutting people <laughs> open. That or a giraffe doctor. So gingival hyperplasia, super interesting and random uh, side effect. Um, you do want to monitor levels of phenytoin um, with a total level, trough level of being 10 to 20 mics per mil and a free phenytoin level 1 to 2.5 mics per mil. So pretty much anytime you have a patient admitted um, who's on phenytoin, you want to go ahead and get levels so you can monitor that throughout their stay. And the, real quick too, the, the free phenytoin level is important because um, phenytoin is one of the most protein bound um, of the anti-seizure medications. And so if a person has, it's about 90% protein bound. So if you have a uh, patient that has high albumin levels or anything, um, you can really throw off your levels if you just get a total. So you want to make sure you get a, a free phenytoin level as well, just right. to make sure you're, you're looking at it accurately. Exactly. Um, so some advantages to using Dilantin, uh, it's risk to benefit ratio is pretty well established though i don't think it's used as much um, as some of the newer agents anymore but it's definitely still used it's available iv for emergent situations um, some cons it has numerous side effects associated with chronic use gingival hyperplasia being one um, generally a narrow therapeutic window uh, dose titration can be complicated and you have to monitor levels that's not always ideal and many drug interactions uh, associated with this metabolism and protein binding like uh, mike said all right, topiramate. So this one, uh, brand name Topamax. Um, I always think of a very weird kind of adverse effect to this medication, um, but one of the uh, sarcastic nicknames for Topamax is um, people refer to it as Dopamax because um, cognitive impairment is a very common 
adverse effect. And it can be um, as much as like a fourth to a third of patients that are on this medication will have some form of that. Um, some of it can be pretty severe. And so um, it's a medication that you'd want to make sure that the patient, if they're having a hard time like at work or just kind of just getting their overall thoughts together, um, just to kind of keep that in mind, that's a very common side effect. Um, some other things like um, elevated uh, ammonia levels, um, you can cause even like uh, metabolic acidosis in some patients. Um, so monitoring things like bicarb um, and renal function is going to be important. Um, some of the adverse effects that are a little bit more common um, would be, uh, besides the cognitive problems, would be the weight loss. So this mm -hmm. is actually a medication that is used in combination with um, Phentermine, um, and it's marketed as Jusimia, and it's a uh, weight loss medication. I think we talked about that in the uh, yep. weight loss episode. We you did. You might want to go ahead and check that out, whatever number it is. Just go ahead and look at the titles. And then... Uh, <laughs> Because we don't know. Cole knows in his iPhone somewhere. I'll figure it out. And then uh, making sure that um, you start off slow and then uh, titrate over at least four weeks. And you can take a max dose of up to 400 milligrams. Um, if a patient has a uh, reduced renal function, um, even is, is anything below like 70 mils per minute, um, decreasing the dose by about 50% uh, would be ideal. Um, and it can also decrease the effectiveness of oral contraceptives. So um, advantages of, of this drug would be that, you know, it does have multiple mechanisms um, and it is very broad spectrum as far as the different types of seizures. Um, disadvantages, you can't really do um, rapid dose escalation and you can really compromise that cognitive function if you do titrate too quickly. Um, however, one thing that I always, or comorbidities that I really think of is um, obesity and migraines, because you can also use this as a migraine prophylaxis. And so if you have a patient that's having seizures along with those other comorbidities, this is a good option. Yeah, to that point, my wife uses Topamax a lot for migraines, uh, and she has a lot of patients complain about the fogginess. Mm -hmm. Some recognize it and are okay with it, um, but there's many others who um, are not, and then some are fine, but a lot of them do experience it. It's a weird conversation you have to have. Something. Listen, it is. So this is going to make you really stupid. Listen, I know you don't recognize your stupidity right now, <laughs> but we're going to laugh about this one day. <laughs> oh, geez. So I wonder, I would be interested to see like an IQ exam. Somebody took it, then started on Topamax and had the side effect, like how they would do. I don't know. Yeah. What if mine went up on the Topamax? <laughs> yeah. Then Mind what? blown. Yeah, right? Yeah. What do you do? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, episode 13, Weight Loss Meds. Nice. So that is a throwback to April of 2018. Way back when. Yep. We were That's a great episode. Baby That's pod. where uh, Cole said, instead of saying oily oh, um, yeah. oily stool, he said oily poo or something like that. fatty poo. Fatty poo. Yeah. And then could not stop laughing for the next 10 <laughs> minutes like a five-year-old. And then made me start laughing. It was a Man, disaster. That was episode 13. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe Fatty Poo was a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. We still never made the t-shirts. No, we People didn't. are just starting to listen to podcasts are like, what are they talking about? Well, then go check it out, people. No, I don't. Uh, well, we have, we have t-shirts now, so I'm sure yeah. Fatty Poo won't come. Yes, that's a good point. So, um, next, Vimpat, Lacosamide. This one's not generic yet. Um, it comes in tablet solution and injection. It can prolong uh, PR intervals, so you want to monitor patients who have arrhythmias um, and do an ECG at baseline. Um, and once it reaches steady state, nonspecific symptoms, um, it is a C5 because it can cause some euphoria, so something to be aware of. Um, and start low, go slow with the dosing again. The max dose is 400 milligrams per day, and it is renally adjusted for patients with a creatinine clearance less than 30. Uh, the max dose is 300. Otherwise, the IV form of lacosamide is available um, for short-term replacement that appears to be safe and well-tolerated, so that's pretty good, uh, something in its favor. It's also easy to administer as a liquid dosage form, uh, but it is a controlled substance, which is definitely not ideal. Um, a lot of providers do use this first line, though, like I said, it's only brand, um, and because of cost, you'd probably want to keep this second to third line um, after they have failed one of the less expensive options that uh, is more or less well-tolerated. Yeah, and I, I do see a lot of places like Duke um, Neurology, like some like real big, you know, places that are very well known for their programs. I've seen them using this um, in patients, you know, pretty aggressively. So it, it definitely has good efficacy, and at least in case studies. So um, it's definitely out there, but it is so expensive. Yeah, it's not cheap. All right, Dival Pro X, um, Depakote. 
So this is a medication that um, been around for a really long time. Um, it's got several different dosage forms, tablets, capsules. Uh, syrup is typically um, referred to as valproic acid. Um, and it does carry a black box warning for uh, possible hepatic failure. This is super rare. Um, but if it does happen, usually happens in the first six months. And so you have to kind of monitor liver functions during that time. Um, can also cause fetal harm and uh, neural tube defects um, if a fetus comes in contact with it. Um, some of the more, I don't want to say common side effects, but um, some warnings to kind of be aware of um, would be increased levels of ammonia and then also uh, dose-related thrombocytopenia. Um, the common side effect, the big one that I always hear about is like weight gain and then fatigue. Um, it can cause uh, both of those pretty commonly in patients. And, you know, as far as uh, monitoring, really LFTs is the big one and then platelets, watching for that thrombocytopenia. Um, if you are going to get a valproic acid level, um, you have a really wide range to play with. So you have 50 to 100 micrograms per milliliter and um, lots of drug-drug interactions to at least be thinking of. So it has the potential to increase the effects of other um, anti-epileptics, so lamotrigine, phenobarb, uh, phenytoin, and then even things like warfarin, um, it can also affect. So um, got to make sure that uh, you're being aware and running drug-drug interaction checks. Man, I remember having to remember and learn which ones needed levels and what the levels were. You know, you know what's way school. better at memorizing stuff like that is my iPhone. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it does a much better job, so I usually just let that do it. It's amazing. It's a little yeah. smarter than me. That's oh, my sure. gosh. it's My, my four-function calculator is probably <laughs> smarter than I am. Um, some advantages to uh, Dival Pro X is uh, the multiple dosage forms, um, its ability to treat various different uh, seizure types. Um, it's also been used in other um, psychiatric disorders as well. So even things like migraine, um, bipolar disorder is used very often. Uh, so, you know, if a person has comorbidities, you can maybe uh, use this distro to kind of kill two birds in one stone. Um, the disadvantage is the, the weight gain and then things like uh, the fatigue that's hard to deal with as far as affecting your quality of life and then the drug-drug interactions. Yeah, we didn't mention it, but lamictal and uh, is another one that can be used in mood disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and carbamazepine. And carbamazepine as well, which we did do a, um, I think we did a bipolar episode way back when, which I think was a fantastic episode. <laughs> I think that was one of the first 10, actually. So much gold. I know. So much that we have done. It's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, we are so achieved. I know. We just stop right now. Yeah. Uh, people are like, oh, they got really narcissistic in this episode. <laughs> Are we ever not, though? No, we're just really tired, I think. It's just messing yeah, around. That's what's happening. So um, gabapentin, Neurontin, next in line, comes as capsule tablet. It does come as a solution and suspension as well. Um, so angioedema is a concern. Um, I've never heard of a patient who actually had that from gabapentin. Peripheral edema, I think, is more common, and I'll actually uh, see patients complain of that. Um, but these are both warnings. Adverse effects, weight gain as well. Um uh, somnolence or drowsiness is pretty common. So usually if I'm counseling a uh, new prescription on it, I'll, I'll mention um, somnolence, potential peripheral edema, and potential weight gain just to look out for. It can also cause euphoria. Um, these are actually sold on the street. I remember I used I heard in school that people would take really whopping doses of gabapentin and it would increase like a, a methadone high, mm-hmm. which was odd. Yeah, they work really well together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, fantastic. Like, shouldn't do it, but... Yes. No, they, they, you know from experience? No, I wouldn't be good at that. <laughs> um, the uh, I forget what the actual dollar amount was. I want to say it was something like like a dollar per hundred milligrams. I was going to say, like it was that. not it's expensive. Like, it's, not, it's not, but people do abuse it. Yeah, they do. They, there's been talk for a while about trying to make it a... Uh, controlled substance but i don't know if that'll I actually think, pass yeah somebody told me it was a c5 in like kentucky or something i think it might be in some states yeah but it's not you remember when tramadol wasn't a control it's before my time yeah i mean i was a technician i think but yeah yeah, yeah it's craziness i don't know why it just popped in my head hydrocodone was a c3 yeah i do remember that too mm-hmm things change how times have changed <laughs> anyways we're so old on faith <laughs> So, talk about that. Yeah, gabapentin isn't by what well, we'll talk about, like we're using, not any, by any means first line, but can be used. Yeah, pick it and like take it in, like, in its bottle and then just maybe put it directly in the trash can where that belongs and then get deloxetine or something for neuropathy and a better seizure medicine. Exactly. 
cool. Is it, I think it's right out of the textbook. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what they say. Um, Onfi is a uh, medication that's very similar to uh, a benzo um, diazepine structure. Um, it ha- does have a black box warning for um, caution when you have a patient that's taking it with any sort of opioid um, because you can greatly increase the risk of um, not only sedation but respiratory depression as well, just like with any other benzo. And then uh, some of the very common side effects would be things like physiological dependence, tolerance, and also it can increase your risk of drooling. So that's cool. Hmm. Um, And then uh, it is a controlled substance, obviously, so C4. Drooling. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Uh, Briviact is another new kid on the block. Uh, The only thing of note, it can cause behavioral reactions, including psychotic symptoms and irritability. I feel like both of these are like more pediatric stuff. Is that right? Oh, I just I always think of that one as like being structurally similar to uh, Keppra, so that's why yeah. the irritability comes from Brivaracetam mm-hmm. or Brivaracetam. Some people oh, may no. say. <laughs> some some people some people some people put on a recording for a podcast for all eternities. <laughs> that's good. Um, and then uh, we also have ethosuximide, um, which is a medication that uh, is one of the only ones that's approved for absence seizures, um, as far as adverse effects. Things like nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, um, weight loss is is uh, common with this, so that can potentially be a good thing. Um, and then hiccups. So we saved all the weird side effects for this one. That would be the worst side effect. Mm-hmm. You I have mean, to constantly have people running around trying to scare you. Steven, and now you get rid of hiccups. Halloween is the perfect time to have that side effect. Uh, Stevens Johnson's is one thing, but hiccups. Seriously, I do hate hiccups. That would drive me nuts. Um, Everyone would hate being around you. Right. Like, I don't know. Well, it already happens to me. Jermana <laughs> <laughs> tone voice. Remember, right. you remember the comments. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I need inflection. Gabatril. Um, it can worsen seizures. Seems counterintuitive. No, uh, no, no. You're going to want this drug on board. Right. You really want that one. Uh, so I suppose something to monitor uh, and definitely want to take that one with food. So, yep. Didn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, jeez. Seems terrible. Oh, jeez. Yes, yeah, stupidest drug ever. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's got its place. That's like um, it's like it's a diabetes right. medication. Just yeah. like so a sugar pill. That's the equivalent of a sugar pill for what, your diabetic. What you're going to want to do is you're going to take this placebo. It's filled with sugar. <laughs> it's going to counteract the insulin <laughs> or something. I don't know. All right. Um, Zenitamide. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late for this. Since it is semi, um, the uh, one of the things just to kind of note is it does have a um, uh, contraindication if a patient is has a hypersensitivity to sulfonamides, so similar structure, um, and then it can uh, also cause an increased risk of skin reactions. Um, and then uh, Banzel um, is a medication that uh, needs to be um, used with caution, really contraindicated in, in patients that have uh, familial short QT syndrome. <sighs> Um, due to having their QT interval shortened. Um, and it can be taken with food to curb some of that GI side effect. So I actually have a patient who's on both zinosamide and Banzel. So I put them right together. So I, I figured know. you had that analogy. You knew it. You knew it. <laughs> Bam. All right. We're going to touch on quickly on how uh, we would actually implement some of these medications. So if you have a uh, focal seizure, um, you have several different options that can be first line. Um, just to name some, carbamazepine, gabapentin, um, lacosamide, lamotrigine, levotriacetam, oxcarbamazepine, topiramate, zanisamide, all of those. You can just pick your poison. And I would also suggest maybe checking out comorbidities and seeing what you can do. And so uh, you're not just picking one at random. Side effect profile, cost, all that stuff. Yeah. Not cost is nothing that we don't worry about. <laughs> we don't care about that. Um, if a patient has uh, generalized tonic-clonic, that's another one that we have several options. So again, carbamazepine, lamotrigine, levotracetam, oxcarbamazepine, topiramate, and divalprox. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and this is the, the advice I gave a few of my PA students, um, I personally think it's easier to memorize things like absence seizures, where first-line agents are ethosuximide or um, divalprox, um, or things like atonic seizures, um, which would be divalprox or like clonazepam. So there's only two first-line agents, um, you know-ish, maybe there's a couple other that we can squeeze in there, but those two are definitely first-line um, options. So it's a little easier to remember those than just remember if you have a focal seizure, anything it's goes. probably something Anything else. goes. And with, with alproic acid, you basically know that it's used for everything but Linux Gusto, and so it's just the one, clonazepam for atonic, ethosuximide for absence. Yeah, uh, for myoclonic, just topamax and valproic acid, so 
yeah, easy peasy. Yep. So if you guys are curious, there's a, uh, um, there's a, like a table that I kind of threw together. I can send you if anybody really wants it, send me an email. Um, other than that though, it's pretty, pretty basic. What Excellent. Else? Anything else? Nothing about this. I did want to point out that um, my wife's a huge Georgia fan, like I said, and mm-hmm. I went to South Carolina. That's my alma mater. So mm-hmm. I'm wearing my South Carolina shirt today. Got it. We haven't podcasted since the South Carolina-Georgia game. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. I, I didn't even see the game. Okay. So, well, is look it at, bad? Just Google it. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> can't make me Google stuff. So. <laughs> I can't tell you what to do. You can't tell me to Google anything. Um yeah, that's uh. So Jen's uh, family is all like USC, and then my family is all Clemson, and mm. I could care less. So mm. I have to pretend like I'm a fan of whoever I'm around. It's like, yeah, yeah super big fan. <laughs> Got the t-shirt on like an idiot. So yeah, I just I'm like every time I hear I'm like, oh, we are gonna blah blah. blah. I'm like, you're not on the team. So just for Mike's edification, because I wasn't gonna brag, South Carolina beat Georgia. Georgia was ranked number three. Oh, there you go. We weren't ranked. We're not very good, really. I feel like that's been a trend for a minute. For a second, yeah. Uh, but we got him. Got him. We did get him. Let's see that, Georgia? That's what you get. Yes. That's so what hope you my get. wife does not listen to the end of this episode. Oh, I'm sure I she wouldn't she make does. it to the end. So. Yeah. I, I know I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> How many people really did? <sighs> I think we have three people that all the way through. Maybe. One of my mom, Maybe. probably. All right. Um, anything else? That's all I got. We'll uh, We'll definitely have to go back into this topic and kind of go through yeah, stuff we'll, a little bit more specifically, maybe actually talk some evidence-based medicine. We'll pick a couple and uh, give much more detailed information about like how to recognize that versus this and yeah, where the evidence is at with this versus that. If anybody has an EEG they'd like to send us to use yeah. on camera, that'd I'll be hook great it up, too. Hook it up to Mike. Right. Uh, turns out he's constantly having a seizure. Right. <laughs> right. It's what happens when you drink too much monster. Right. When you drink, <laughs> right. you have seizures on the podcast. So we'll give that a shot. So yeah, if you like I said, if you guys have that, that'd be great if you could send that our way. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening and putting up up, the, up with us today. And we we're joking around way more than we normally do. Oops. Um, but uh, it's just one of those days. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, greatly appreciate all of the uh, support, emails, everything that we get. Um, we, we It means a lot to us. And so um, we definitely don't take it for granted that um, so many people are listening now and we really appreciate it. Um, if you do like the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Um, if you have time, leave a quick uh, comment. Even if it's a thumbs up emoji, we'll take it. Um, you don't even have to leave a comment. Just hit that five stars. Not four stars because that brings our rating down. <laughs> you know how averages work. And so uh, we really appreciate it. And if you have questions, our emails will be in the show notes and um let us know if you need anything thanks for listening bye